Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Mining the Field. This is the official Mining City Tommy Knocker recap show where we bring you breakdowns, recaps, and interviews with players, coaches, and interns behind the scenes. We are here at KBMF 102.5 FMLP of Butte America, who so graciously lets us record and air the show from their studio. Remember, our show airs every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Mountain Time during the season, and if you happen to miss it, be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any platform you can get your podcast from. With that being said, I'm your host, Billy Adams, broadcasting intern for the Mining City Tommyknockers. Now let's get into some recaps for Week 9 of Tommyknocker Baseball. The Knockers kicked off Game 1 against the Pier Trappers in wild fashion by getting four of their runs off of wild pitches. First baseman Jake Mastillo and left fielder Nick Hansen both tacked in two RBIs apiece later in the game to give the Knockers a comfortable lead. Staff starter Jeremy Husband, a.k.a. Lefty, got the start for the Knockers, going three innings, allowing just one hit, four walks, and striking out eight batters. But in his return, it was Drew Leonard who got the win after suffering a concussion two weeks ago. He went three innings, allowing just three hits, two walks, and snatching five Ks. He moved to two and two on the season, with the Knockers taking game one, 10 to one. With playoff implications looming and the Knockers fighting with the Badlands' big sticks to get in, wins mean more than anything, and the Knockers did just that. Second baseman James Martin led the charge by driving in two runners for his first RBIs as a Tommy Knocker, and catcher David Melfi contributed with an RBI while also going two for two with a walk. Analytics guy Kyle Wellman, a.k.a. Welly, got the start for the Knockers, going four innings, allowing just three hits, three earned, two walks, and six strikeouts. Reliever Juan Serta, however, got the win for the Knockers after pitching three innings, allowing just two hits and two strikeouts. He moved to three and three on the season after the Knockers took game two, 10 to six. Something was in the air for game three, or maybe it was just blood boiling from all the chirping going on in this series because we saw seven home runs hit between both teams. Center fielder Justin Green led the charge with not one, but two homers in this game from back to back at bats, while second baseman James Martin, first baseman Mike Decker, and right fielder Hayden Brown also clocked in a homer, with Martin and Decker getting their first as Tommy Knockers. Young gun Jonathan Zayas got the start for the Knockers, going four innings, giving up eight hits, five earned, two walks, and three strikeouts. However, once again, submarine specialist Connor Phelan got the win for the Knockers, pitching just one inning, allowing five hits, two earned, one walk, and two strikeouts. He moved to eight and two on the season as the Knockers take game three, 12 to 10. The fourth and final game seemed to turn more into a grudge match and multiple delays happening due to ejections. Hitting coach Jacob Schubert, left fielder Miles Hartsfield, and shortstop Judah Wilbur were all tossed from the game due to arguments with an umpire. Nonetheless, game four did not disappoint with action as first baseman Jake Mastillo cranked his seventh homer of the season while bringing in another run for two of his RBIs in the game. Leading man Zach Camp got the start and the loss for the knockers as he went just six innings allowing ten hits, seven earned, one walk, and collecting eight strikeouts. He moved to four and four on the season as the knockers lose the fourth and final game of the series. 12 to 9, but ultimately take the series against the Pier Trappers 3 to 1. Now, we'll look ahead to this week's upcoming schedule. This week, the Tommyknockers go on the road to take on the Badlands Big Sticks in four of seven straight games between the two teams. These two are currently tied for second in the Lewis Division, with each of them holding a record of 12 and 9 in this second half of the season. The winner of this series will presumably punch their ticket to the playoffs here in a few weeks for the Expedition League. The Big Sticks currently hold the series record 5 to 1. If you'd like to follow along with the games, get some on-the-field looks, or even attend a Tommyknocker game, you can find live stream info, ticket prices, and social media plugs at www.mctommyknockers.com. And folks, be sure to stick around because when we come back, it's time to start mining the field as you'll get to hear from our very own PA announcer and fellow KBMF host, Mike Opal, and our groundskeeping slash sales intern, Arturo Morales. We'll be right back after this. Say bye, 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Mining the Field. Again, my name is Billy Adams, host of Mining the Field, and today I'm joined by our guest, Mike Opal, our PA announcer, and our groundskeeper slash sales intern, Arturo Morales. Gentlemen, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me. Thank you, Billy. appreciate being here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. So I did this yesterday with Camp and Leonard, and I'm going to do the same because I feel like this is pretty easy to be an icebreaker on this show and for people to get to know you. So, Arturo, I'll start with you. Basically, you know, where are you from? What year are you in school? You're obviously a college student like myself. Where do you go to school, your major, and why you're here? So I'm originally from Guadalajara, Mexico. Um, right now, I'm living in Austin, Texas. Go to school at St. Edwards University. Currently, uh, I'm a freshman. I'm probably the oldest freshman at my school. Yeah, because you... Correct me if I'm wrong. You took a year or two year gap, correct? It took about a year and a half off. Year and a half off. Yes. Um, yeah. After high school, I moved back to Mexico, and then decided to go back to Austin and uh, just try to go to college there. Got a full ride. Really? Yeah. What'd you get a full ride off of? For Aca- academic purely? No, or it was just, just soccer. Soccer as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, and Arturo actually had pro aspirations and pursued pro soccer at one point. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but also, what is your primary role here for Mining City Tommy Knocker Baseball? My primary role? Um, right now, I'm just groundskeep. Um, and if you ever come out to the game, you'll probably see me in the concessions, whether, you know, serving you some popcorn or 
nachos, anything like that. That's true, ladies and gentlemen. If you ever come across the concession stand, you'll see my man BLT Plus sitting yeah, right there. <laughs> he'll be right there. <laughs> he'll be right there. He'll be, he'll charm your way <laughs> to some uh, popcorn. Uh, so, Mike, you're obviously at a different point in your life than we are, so we can do this a little bit different. Uh, where are you from? Uh, what do you do here at KBMF? Because I mentioned before in the intro, you're a fellow host here, um, and you're obviously a PA guy. I want to know how you got that position and, you know, is it out of the love of baseball or was it an obligation? You go ahead. Well, born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, lived most of my life there and around it. Um, I uh, moved to Butte uh, five years ago uh, to be around my kids and my grandkids that I have here in Butte. Um, I uh, have an, a history of being involved in live entertainment, uh, most mostly behind the scenes, and uh, I, I love being around people who perform at a high level, and so uh, I did some of that in in my uh, my event coordinator history in different areas: hydroplane racing, uh, theater, uh, golf, a uh, couple other areas that I'm. Uh, uh, missing right now, but uh, I got to Butte and decided that I kind of wanted to help out a hockey team that they had here. I didn't know they had one, and there was a, a team called the Butte Cobras here, and I went into the arena and asked to volunteer, and uh, they said, how good are you with the mic? And I said, well, I used to have radio experience, and that was good enough, and I got to be the PA announcer, and it's kind of a duplicate story of what I got on with the Tommyknockers. Same thing, you know. Oh, I used to do this, and I, you know, I've been around Butte a couple of years, done some PA, and that's good enough for us. And that's the way my life has consisted of, especially in the last twenty years, is being experienced in in being around athletes and, as I said, performers and such. And and my existence is pretty much boring, but I get to go to baseball games and I get to hang out with uh, a lot of great people. I've got one of the best seats in the house, and I enjoy being a part of running something, being behind the scenes and, and running things. And so there's that ego behind me that we have control over things. And uh, so I, I have a, I've been having a great time with the Tommyknockers this year. Of course, man. And you do a fantastic job being our PA guy. And, you know, for those who have come to the games and have heard Mike speak, my fun little tidbit to that is I sit right next to him and I, you know, run the PA system and whatnot. And I have never met an individual who could possibly single-handedly take out a PA system and speakers with their voice. And that's not a knock at his voice. That's just how prominent his vocals are. And I've had to adjust the mic countless times with the volume just so, you know, you guys can hear him clearly and also so you know there's not any kind of cutout because obviously when you overload a system and speakers <laughs> with so much noise it just cuts out and unfortunately and, the pa system just has a hard time handling that there was a, there's been a time in my life or two when i've uh, my my loud mouth has gotten me into a little bit of trouble but overall i've been able to survive through that and thankfully that that's not even trouble either i feel like that's sort of a compliment the fact that your voice can almost you know take out a pa system and it can't handle it because you are very good at your job, and we all know that. I, I enjoy enunciations and things. There was a time that I was in radio many years ago, and I lost an opportunity because of some bad habits and, and uh, you know, did some, did some things that weren't conducive to having a career in broadcasting. And so 
this second chance that I've had at the radio station here with the Cobras, with the Tommyknockers, I never thought I'd be able to do this all over again because I blew it once. And it turned out not to be true. I was able to do some very cool things all over again. And that's part of my life that I've gotten to do some things that I had opportunities to do uh, in an earlier time. I, I was out on the PBA tour for a half a year, the Pro Bowlers tour, when I was in my early 20s. And my bad habits and stuff cost me an opportunity. And, and as I sit here today, I always wonder if I had not been the party guy you know would i would my talents have really made it and i call that a person with a million dollar talent and a 10 cent brain and that was me <laughs> as as a professional bowler and uh but uh that's just you know a, second chances come by sometimes not that time hey fair enough man and i think you're doing a terrific job obviously you have your position here we'll get into a little bit more of that later and now you have a position with the Tommyknockers, too, and you're doing a phenomenal job in taking advantage of it now. And Thank that's you. what's important. Thank you. Now, Arturo, obviously, we're both in the same position where, you know, Mike mentioned career. We're trying to make careers out of ourselves right now. So when in terms of Butte and being here, was this your only opportunity prior to coming here for the summer? Uh, no. So right now, I had a banking internship in Austin, Texas. But right now, Austin's not completely open. Still? Yeah. So face coverings are still required. Uh, restaurants are like at 70% right now, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Dude, I thought Texas was like Florida's cousin because uh, Florida yeah. never even <laughs> shut down, dude. So I figured Texas would be the same way. Yeah. It's, well, like Austin's different. Austin's like super liberal. and. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought Texas was obviously Republican because yeah. I feel like most Republicans come from Texas or Florida yeah. in general. Yeah, Austin's a, a little different in that in that area. But uh I was just not trying to have a remote internship, stay in my college apartment all summer for three months. And uh my uh career coach just uh happened to open like a platform where you get internships and it was like, Hey, there's this internship here in Butte, like if you wanna take it. Um, you know, I can help you apply and like get your cover letter, get your resume. And uh, and the more I looked into Butte and the more I looked into Montana, the more I wanted to go. Uh, this was back in February, and yeah, I got accept. I got the internship. Um, just from like the time that I got that internship all the way until like May fifteenth, which was report day, I was just super stoked to be out here. Cause I mean, I was just tired of kind of just staying in one p place and just wanted to come out here and just watch some good baseball. Yeah. And with baseball too, um, did you have, do you have a prior familiarity with the game or with working with the game or is this your first overall job with baseball in general? This is my first job in baseball. Uh, I played a little in high school, my freshman and sophomore year played baseball. Really? What position? Yeah. I was center fielder and I was bottom of the order. For batting, I was never a good batter or anything like that. But I mean, I love playing it, uh, especially moving from like Mexico to you know the U.S. Starting to get into the whole culture of baseball and everything, I was just you know taken away by it. And you know, with that being said, um, you know, speaking of your your younger years, 
what was that process of getting to the U.S. like for you? Um, it was it was different at first. Um, you know, I I grew up studying American culture, like my entire life, but actually coming down here and seeing it was, you know, very different. I I really like it though. I mean, I love living in Texas. My time here in Montana has been unreal. Um, Butte. It's also, I mean, it's a very charming city. It's got great places to do around it. Yeah. So, also, I mentioned before, you had pro soccer aspirations. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, yeah. So, when I went to high school in Houston for four years, um, I was four-year varsity player for soccer, which is one of the reasons why I don't play two years for baseball. My soccer coach told me I couldn't be doing two sports at the same time, so I had to just mm-hmm. stick with soccer. And then uh, my senior year, I got a couple of uh, scholarship offers from various colleges, um, one of them being San Diego State and the other one, University of Cincinnati. But uh, our, my brother, my I've, I come from a family where we they, they have played professional soccer my grandpa played pro, my brother played pro. So I just decided to reject the offers and go go to Mexico and just try to make it out. Play second division, won the division, second division soccer. Kind of just traveled from team to team around in Mexico. And uh, just one day I decided this might never happen, just hung up the cleats really. And that was that was the year and a half break, correct? Yeah. That's when you, what, what was that feeling like, n- knowing that this may never be an option? Because I know I, I've asked a couple of the guys, I've asked Cowan specifically, like he he pursued pro ball as a baseball player, and you know as an athlete, it's hard to make that realization. If you have a dream to go pro, you get the opportunity, to, but realize it's not for you. Yeah. What does that feel like? And how do you come to that realization and be realistic with yourself? Because I think that's hard for people to do is actually be realistic and say, this is not for me. This is, I can't do this forever. It, feel, it feels bad for sure. If it, it just, you know, and I kind of grew up around the shadow of my own brother where he was a very good pro but a soccer player. And yeah, like, and when you know, you know, like when, when you know that you're not going to make it, it's just like a feeling that you have. And, uh, and there's a lot of people that say, um, like, you don't, you might never know when your last game is. Like, to some, that day, like, happens. To some, that day never happens. But uh, when I knew is when I decided to go play college soccer. That's when I knew I, I was just not going to go pro. And do you feel like it was the right decision overall? Because I know obviously there's a difference between what you want but what you you actually need in your life. And some people need to pursue an education rather than pro ball in any kind of sport. Do you feel like it's been better for you going to St. Edwards? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was for the best, for sure. I mean, I got a full ride there. Um, I like the school and everything. Obviously, I'm not playing soccer anymore. But, yeah, I think it was the, the right choice, you know if you're trying to go pro there's just a lot of heartbreaks going down the road and what are you majoring in right now 
Finance. Finance? Yeah. Now, with finance, would you like to potentially work in maybe like the MLS and get involved with soccer in some kind of financial capacity? Um, maybe. Uh, that's why I was looking into this internship as well, trying to get a, like a grasp on how um, sport teams work and, you know, behind the scenes and everything. And we have definitely seen it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this, I mean, honestly, I, I'm not sure what I w really want to do. Yeah, as career-wise, I still have three more years to figure figure it out. Hopefully, I figure it out, but yeah. Of course, man. And at the same time, I think instead of sitting around during the summer and just wondering, you're, you came here and you're getting a glimpse of what a sports team looks like. You're trying to figure it out. Oh, yeah. And that's all people our age can really do is find that experience and search for it and actually get a whims of what our career tastes like. And sometimes it's not going to be pretty. And sometimes we get the reality check. And sometimes we realize, you know, I can do this, but I want a better opportunity. Yeah. I'll be honest, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I want to do something like this, but I definitely feel like it could be in a different sport and it could probably be in a different capacity than what I'm doing now. And that's okay. Um, but with you, Mike. <laughs> I heard so many cool things uh, from your conversation with Arturo. And, and the one thing that I believe in that what makes me interested in this level of sport and i've been at this level of sport in hockey in basketball and it now in baseball is that this is the time in your lives the entire organization at your age where you're trying to find out once and for all can i make a living at being a baseball player a pro hockey player a coach a general manager those type of things that a person has the interest in that comes through. And what we do is we fill water bottles in the morning and we do radio shows in the evening, you know, and every, and we wear every hat in between, you know, Arturo's probably going to be one of the only people in the country that has marketing skills, financial skills, and can doctor a baseball field. You know, and that looks that looks great on a resume. It's not wrong. And that's what happens when these young men and women in some cases come across the country to do something of what the Mining City Tommyknockers are doing. And to a person, I would think that all they want is an honest opportunity to find out once and for all if they can make it in this business. And as somebody who is a volunteer, uh, who's been around the young men, who have been around the moments when a young man goes, oops, I, I can't do it. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And it hurts watching a young man come to that realization at that moment that whatever he's been doing since he's been six or eight years old is going to come to an end. He's going to suit up in his last game, and that's it for that career. And I'm mindful of that. Uh, it's a it's a very touching time sometimes when I traveled in hockey for the four years that I was involved at the junior hockey level. Uh, these young men are also 17 to 21 years of age trying to maybe get a scholarship, which some of the good ones do. Others move on to other areas, but they're all trying to, you know, to chase that dream. And we owe it to them to be able to provide that. And those of us that are behind the scenes, our job is to lay down the stage, the playing field, or whatever it is that we need to lay down so these men and women have an opportunity to chase that dream and, 
and you guys are doing the same thing. You want to be able to do as much as you can, and I know you've learned a lot of cool things about what you've had to see as being the backbone of a franchise, and you've learned a lot of what not to do as well uh, when it comes yeah. to running a franchise. So it's all an education and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, these young men are recruited in the same way that ball players are recruited. We want this left-handed hitter. We want this catcher. We need that pitcher. Well, we need that announcer. We need that event coordinator. We need that public address announcer. We need that uh, uh, field uh, manicurist. Uh, we need all of these things. And, and it's great that we have these leagues like this that are giving these young men an opportunity to work behind the scenes. And it's a lot of fun be being the person behind the scenes. Uh, you get to get close and, and hang out with a bunch of people. And again, like I said before, I, I can't do all the things that these talented athletes and performers can do, but I sure love being around them because they're the best at what they do. And I try to make it as professional as I can. You know, and I think I do. I think the fans get their money's worth when they come out to the ballpark. To a person, I'll ask whether they know me or not. Hey, $10 worth it? Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's the top ticket. You know, there you don't have to spend a ton of money to come out to a ball game. And, and there's so many ways that, that we can uh, be a more integral part of the community as well. Uh, with what we're trying to do as far as putting on a show and allowing these young men to get out there and perform at their best. Wow. <laughs> oh. oh, man. You never expect to get a reality check when you're on a radio show, right? Oh, well, Ooh, you man. know. But no, it's, it's, it's fun, though. you got to have fun at it. And sometimes working under the cloud, or not the cloud, I don't want to say a cloud, but uh, having the Maybe on the, the smoke? It's smoky here in Montana. Smoky, yeah, we we're under smoke for sure. And and you 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 people, you interns have run this ball club. You know, from from the time we first opened the gate and our first two games that we had, we were tripping and falling over one another and yeah. and but in the same way that our ball club, the Tommy Knockers are doing, we think to a person that they've done a wonderful job for being a first-year team and getting on the field and being a contender right out of the box as a ball club, we too behind the scenes have come together as a good team to become better at running this ball game and keeping the, the attendance better than I expected. And we we are we had to, to come together as a team as well and, and I love working with these young men and, and seeing them chase the dream and and if they can pick my brain for something that might be useful, that's that's terrific. Fair enough, man. Now Wow, that's just you know what, I think we're gonna take a quick break after that. <laughs> I, I think we could use a little breather. <laughs> so folks, we'll be right back with mining the field and uh, stay tuned. Remember we sat in the cold, no money in Montreal. Underneath that waterfall, nobody else ever saw. I packed up everything except those memories that only I can see and can't get rid of. I still remember the first, your body hit every nerve. 
used to wake up in my shirt it's the one i had to burn trying not to stay but you are everywhere you're everywhere that i've ever to the train just like you did every day everyone else is the same i wonder if you're the same and do you lay your head in someone else's bed to help you bury it just like you always did and now you're in all of my words only way i can return memories fade in reverse but you will always be heard wherever i can sing you'll be right there with me and ghosts and melodies that all Well, ladies and gentlemen, after that, it was a well-needed break, but thank you for sticking around and joining us here on Mining the Field. I'm back with Mike and Arturo. Fellas, that was, uh, that was quite the spiel, Mike, but honestly, you put it into good perspective. I mean, we're certainly trying to do our best, and we seem to be a group of interns who thankfully doesn't take what we have for granted. We're trying to put all this work in so somebody notices, and whether that's on our resume or whether somebody that we don't know is actually running a team. They come and observe our games just to see how it's being run, and they see how hard we work, and, you know, they acknowledge that. Or, you know, somebody knows a friend, you know. You never know who's watching, and I feel like that's the way we work. We always work with the intent that we want to put on a good show for fans, and we also feel like there's always somebody out there watching our performance, just like there's always a scout watching a potential MLB player in college or in a summer league. You just never know who's watching where and when. Exactly. Now, 
instead of watching, you know, music's music's a way for people to listen and enjoy something. And with you, you're big into music. You have a show here at KBMF called Love It Live. How did you come about that opportunity? And even before then, you know, Love It Live is dedicated specifically to live performers of any kind of musical program or band or artist, etc. How did that even become a thing for you? And how did you generate your interest into live music in general? Uh, I was uh, 10 years old and my aunt wanted to go see Cros- uh, this band called Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. I don't know. They might get popular one day. Maybe. Uh, but I was, I was 10 years old and my aunt had tickets, but she had to babysit me that night. So I had to go to the concert with her. She had to spend an extra $6 is what she told me to get me in the door. And so my first concert was Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young when I was 10 years old. Um, ever since then, as far as music is concerned, I, I, the one thing I remember about the concert was the enormity of it when I walked in and I saw the big tapestry of the set and everything like that. And that was my first glimpse of a live musical show. And I, I you know, that's been something that I've enjoyed, uh, the enormity of what a concert can do. I've been to, uh, I went to Cal Jam 2 in 1978 at the Ontario Motor Speedway when they had, you know, Ted Nugent, Foreigner, Hart, uh, uh, Alvin Lee, uh, Todd Rundgren, all of these hot acts from the 70s were there at this day-long festival, and and I just love experiences like that. As a younger man, my my 21st birthday, I saw Blue Oyster Cult, and then I don't remember much Ooh. after that because it was my 21st birthday. Uh, I saw Queen in Long Beach, California in 1978. It was the second show. They did two shows that night. Their set list was 37 songs long. Oh, my they, goodness. They had no opening act. They never played with an opening act. You've got you got two and a half hours of show of just Queen every time they took the stage, and they had two encores, and and it was a phenomenal memory that I had. Uh, I've seen uh, Paul McCartney and Wings at the at the uh, Kingdom. I've seen Aerosmith thirteen times. They're my favorite <laughs> band. Ario Speedwagon would be second. They're going to be in Helena in a month. Uh, I, I saw a Bad Company at a beach party uh, before they stamped a label or anything on a record label uh, in Huntington Beach, California. And I saw Hart in a Ooh. bar in Vancouver when I went up to see a Vancouver Canucks game. We went downtown to go drinking, and we heard this female singing Zeppelin songs. So we went down there. We partied that night, and half a year later, I see this album Dreamboat Annie come out, and I said <laughs> – that's them, you know, and so uh, yeah, I got the, that's my little one one little. It's not a claim to fame, but it's a awkward little story of seeing somebody before they were famous. So, I and in my I worked at casinos in in Nevada and mostly Reno and some in Vegas, and I got to be around backstage for stuff, and um, I got to work one show on Broadway at the 54th really? uh, Avenue Theater, the Ambassador Theater, and I got to work backstage for Chicago the Musical. Wow. And I got to do the props. And what happens is the the actors come out 
they grab the things that they need when they go out on stage and they stand in the wings when their part comes in they go out do their part and shake shake and and yell yell and sing sing and then they come back off stage and the prop gets put right back where it was at the beginning and that's how they do the props so nothing gets misplaced on a nightly basis and that was my job so uh, i got to be backstage for you know broadway musical so yeah i've I've experienced a lot of cool things in my life you know that i appreciate now and and your show love it live is it basically trying to take people back and show people that appreciation It it is uh the concerts of the 70s and 80s were were large they were meant to be large they were in stadiums you know and and you know more is better you know, and 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 so the the live aids and stuff like that. That's the 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 greatest, in my opinion, the greatest set ever done was Queen at Live Aid. Oh, uh, the by far. Twenty one minutes of six songs started off with uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and finished with We Are the Champions, and everything in between was superior. Freddie Mercury had the crowd, uh, it the energy, and I still watch it. I've seen it a million times, and I still kind of get shivers every once in a while <laughs> when I see a particular part of that performance. So as somebody that loves live live music and how it's done and how well it can be done my goodness that is a perfect example of how electric it can be to be a part of something to that degree oh of course and you know i feel like there's always that debate too of what's the greatest performance ever because you have freddie mercury's live aid and then people also like to put out elton john's la dodger stadium performance too but you know, I think they're both fantastic. I really don't think there's any kind of comparison, though, because they're two completely different performers. And honestly, I feel like Freddie Mercury, who who knows, he probably could have gone on and done the entire Live Aid concert, if we're being honest. If he had if to, he I'm had sure. To, I'm sure he would have. But there was a conversation off stage between some of the guys that were yet to come out, like Elton John, David Bowie, Mick Jagger. And uh, it w- who was oh I and I wish I had the name instead of it on my tongue. He's it was uh, Elton John that said, "Oh my, God, we gotta follow that." Oh yeah, we gotta follow oh, yeah. that. And uh, uh, Roger Daltrey, that's who it was. Mm. Roger Daltrey is standing off stage going, "We gotta follow that." Thanks a lot. <laughs> oh my goodness, you know, it's a shame too because two two distinct people. I wish would have lived on, you know, further than they did. Obviously, Freddie Mercury and then Ronnie Van Zant. Because I'm from Jacksonville. Oh, my. So I know all about Ronnie Van Zant and the history. And it, it's crazy. Those two are way ahead of their time in terms of performances. And I feel like the way Elton John's doing his retirement tour and still playing phenomenal shows is the same way they could have done theirs. And to be honest, I think Freddie Mercury, for instance, probably could have played till he was like 90. I don't think you could have dragged him off stage I wonder how much more music he had left in him and see and that and that's another thing too like we all think queen was at their peak when he died but personally i don't know a performer like that i just feel like you have endless amounts of ideas like we thought bohemian rhapsody was phenomenal but i firmly believe if he would have lived there could have been something better and we just didn't know it and to see those performances and, and see them doing that live to making them not only sound, they don't necessarily make it sound as good as the studio version. They take a, a, a brand of their own song and they make it better. 
on stage. And that's the incredible part of a lot of the good performers and even performers of today. I would pay top dollar to see Lady Gaga. I got to tell you, man, <laughs> that woman puts on a show and I would pay top dollar to see her perform. No, I, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, I told you beforehand, <laughs> uh, my only giant concert experience I've ever witnessed because I'm not a huge concert guy, but my mom is a big-time metal fan. Oh, okay. And so we went to um, an event called Welcome to Rockville that used to be hosted in Jacksonville for years. And now I believe they put it in North Carolina due to you know different reasons and event coordination and whatnot. But I got to see Megadeth. And for people who don't know, Megadeth is a band that was started, I believe, in the early 90s. It was the early 90s. Uh, actually, no, their debut album was 85, so it had to be early 80s. But Dave, Dave Mustaine, Mustaine yep. Dave Mustaine of the, the former lead singer and guitarist for Metallica, started this band. And my dad, who passed away my freshman year of high school, he was a huge Megadeth fan. So my mom and I, there were 10,000 people at this event, and it was three hours before Megadeth performed out of you know hundreds of bands that were there. And we got to the stage that they were at, and we waited all three hours. And it was just, it was two hours of just an amazing performance, something I've never seen before. I've seen countless YouTube videos of performers, but I remember Dave Mustaine walking on the stage, grabbing the mic, and everybody was just screaming. And it took him 10 minutes to get that crowd just to die down. It was insane. I, I think they're, I think the first song they played to was off of, um, I believe it was, the 92 album, I think it was I think it was called Planetary of Destruction or Symphony of Destruction. I think it was Symphony of Destruction. Nonetheless, um, he played, um, I think it was uh, so, it was something bullet. I, it's, it's hard to remember at this point, but it's, you know, despite that, that's a performance I'll never forget. That's one of my only concert experience. What about you, Arturo? Do you have like a, I know you're a big rock guy too. Yes, um, I've gone through a lot of music festivals especially Austin City Limits there in Austin, really big one. Um, Mexico City, has, I, I went to this one like two years ago called Corona Capital in Mexico City. Ooh. Also, it was it was massive, I'd say about 90,000 people Dang, in one dude. music festival. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I do like music festivals quite a bit. What um, What are some of your preferred bands or artists that you like to go to for music? For music? Um, was, I've seen Gary Clark Jr. He's kind of blues rock. Ooh. He's from Austin. I've seen him quite a bit at uh, ACL and uh, at uh, just he perform. He always performs live around in Austin. And if you're ever in Austin and he's playing, it's kind of a show you have to go see. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean the Black Keys are my favorite band, like of all time. I love the Black Keys. I've never seen them live, unfortunately. But, yeah. Fair enough, man. Well, fellas, uh, we're going to get into the fun part of the show. All right. That I like to call extra innings. <laughs> and <laughs> this is personally my favorite part. Simply, there's five questions, and they're kind of out of the blue questions, but they're another way for people to get to know you. <laughs> they can be a word, a sentence, or a paragraph, however you want to answer it. But it's just another way for the fans to get to know you. It's on the spot. And it's always fun. So right, this sounds like a game show now. Yeah. With that being said, first question I have for you: Who do you think has the worst fan base in sports? And this could be for any sport. The Yankees. I say Padres, and I'm looking right at you. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> Houston. I'm a Padres fan. Every or or Dodger fans fan. actually. 
Either you say who? Or at Yankee or Stroh's fan, fans. Oh, Stroh's fans are annoying, ever dude. They, they were never annoying until up until recently that they got just... Jose Altuve? Like, they're the fan base for the Astros. Oh, what, would you say pre- or post-World Series cheating post scandal? Post-cheating scandal post cheating is scandal? the worst yeah. fans ever. Yeah, the Dodgers should have won that World Series. I'm just saying. <laughs> what about you, Mike? Houston. The fan base in Houston. (laughs) I go back to the 80s when the Sonics in Houston were locked up in playoff series year after year. You couldn't couldn't get a ticket in Seattle. In Houston, they'd be half full. And I always resented that Houston had such a good team and such a crappy fan base that got to enjoy it. You know, and the same thing about the Houston Oilers. You know, Ooh. they lost the football team. They still got that that dinosaur building, the Astrodome, still standing for what reason, I don't know, to remember that they gave up a football franchise. And, of course, they got another one back, but they still suck yeah, as a fan with the, base. With the Astrodome, I, I've, I've a, you know. You've so been there, yeah. My, uh, the, the guy that taught me how to play baseball, when I was very little, he played professional in the Pacific League in Mexico, and he actually got the chance to pitch in the Astrodome. Nice. When he was in high school, which really, yeah. Holy which cow, is, dude! Yeah. Nice. That's like a once in a lifetime yep. opportunity, yeah. right there. Uh, my answer, real quick, simply be, and this is because I'm from Florida. Florida Gator fans Ooh. are absolutely the most obnoxious human <laughs> beings I've ever met in my life because all I hear every season, and Mike's doing it right now to me, the chomp chomp is not only one of the most annoying little like tidbits to be a part of a team for a fan base, but every year I hear, oh, we're going to be good this year. We're going to be like the old Tebow days, guys. We're going to be so good <laughs> every single year. And then they go like eight and four, and they're mad at why they didn't you know, make a bigger bowl game or something. I'm like, because your recruiting stinks, and you, don't, you never have good head coaches. Urban Meyer was the only decent head coach you guys have ever had. And every year I just hear the same thing. And then the worst part about it is Florida-Georgia weekend. That is absolutely bonkers because then you have all the Southern Georgia fans who come out and say, "Go dogs, boy, go dogs!" And then all the Florida Gator fans just start chomping in, dude. <laughs> it's absolutely annoying. All right, so second question: You're on your deathbed, and there's one song you can listen to before you die. What are you choosing? I'm gonna go ahead and start off by saying "Carry On," "Wayward Son" by Kansas. I feel like it's a good way to go out. Nice. Um. There goes my hero. <laughs> by foreigner. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Speaking of foreigner, real quick, for you know the Butte people listening, they are coming here September 11th. I, I got oh. my tickets. I, I wish I was here in September just to see that, not yep. going to lie. All right, Mike. My song uh, is called Amazing, a song by Aerosmith, and uh, it's mm. about surviving drug addiction, and it's something that I have done so, and... That song meant a lot to me when I stopped and decided to change my life, and that's always been my uh, my go-to song. So, yeah, that's that's the song. I don't really know if it's me jumping on a bandwagon or not, but I still go with it. My favorite song of theirs is Crazy. That's when they made their comeback. I believe it was in the 90s. And when Get they a grip f- album. Yeah, they made their comeback. I thought that song was phenomenal, and it's my all-time favorite Aerosmith song. But... Second favorite is definitely Dude Looks Like a Lady, and that's also because in Disney at Hollywood Studios, the rock and roller coaster is dedicated to Aerosmith, yep. and that's the song that always played when I would ride that ride. Nice. So, easily. Aerosmith is phenomenal. All right. Third question. What is the most ridiculous thing you've ever bought? 
I've bought a lot of ridiculous <laughs> things in my life. <laughs> on the top of my um, top of your head, bro. Name one. <laughs> I bought. I this is recently. I was in Bozeman. I bought a Montucky shirt. <laughs> wait. A cold wait, snack Montucky shirt. Montucky. Yeah. Is it just Montana and Kentucky combined? No. So Montucky is a beer. Is it really? Yeah. And, okay. Uh, <laughs> it just. It's the official non-official beer of Montana. The official non-official beer. I feel like. And. I feel like the Mining City beer might become a thing. The one we sell at the games could. Yeah, people no, one hundred percent. If if we had those in gas stations, stores everywhere, that that would be a favorite one. Oh, that beer. That beer is smooth to drink and mm. goes down easy. Oh, good lord! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of things you bought, Mike. What what what's something you think uh, <sighs> is pretty ridiculous? I can just say this real quick. So my little experience. When I was 11, I first got onto Facebook, and Facebook had a lot of games that they introduced you to, and one was called Madden NFL Superstars, and basically this was a head-to-head Madden game you could play with people online, and it was set up in a card phase where you bought cards that had ratings, and that was your roster. You paid those cards, or? Uh, So what happened was, um, I bought one pack because my mom let me, I had 70 overall cards, that was it, so I had a c team a c minus team that lost every game and i bought a gold pack and one in the gold pack i had a larry fitzgerald card so i was set but then it said quote do you want more and i clicked and i forgot my mom's card was not only on there but i didn't know i was buying more i thought it was giving you more for buying a pack so i ended up getting 10 packs and the next morning my mom wakes up and sees a 150 charge to her account and needless to say, it was not only a wasted expense on a Facebook game, but I got grounded for a month, and I didn't see the light of day for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom was pretty mad. Jeez. I don't know where to start on the, the amount of dumb things. Maybe not bought, but have paid for. And uh, I, I just can recall this uh, a trip from Seattle to... Uh, uh, to New Jersey, and uh, I was going to Atlantic City, and I rented a car that broke down five miles from the airport. Um, I had to walk back to the airport, almost like in the planes, trains, and automobiles, Steve Martin oh, part, where he has to walk all the way back to the terminal. Yeah, I did, and I uh, and they gave me a ride back to the car. They towed the car. And by the time we had gotten back to the car, somebody had stopped and cracked open the trunks and stolen my luggage out of the out of the back of the car, which had I stashed my cash in my luggage to be smart. Oh. And I had over three thousand dollars in it. Oh my and goodness. I it was it was the uh, it was the worst feeling of feeling stranded that I've ever felt in my life and what am I gonna do moment. Uh, so that was the most, and there's more story to that, but I eventually got home with the help of some strangers and stuff like that. But uh, I'll never forget that one week of just, it was the worst thing. that, And it was an impromptu trip. I was going to meet a friend that I went to high school from that lived in Philadelphia. He, came, he was going to come up to, and, and uh, it was an awful trip. It was something that I totally regretted from the time I met, from the time I left. 
Real quick, have you ever been to a Mariners game? I have. That would have been an acceptable answer. In the, the uh, that should have been the acceptable <laughs> answer. I've been to a Mariners game in the Kingdom. Post I, Ichiro, of course. Uh, post Ichiro. I would have gone uh, for Ichiro, no doubt. Yeah, but no, I, I I sat in the bleachers of the Kingdom when it was being built. I was working at a plumbing wholesale across the street, and I go wow. eat my lunch over in the in the Kingdom while they were putting the thing together. Wow. Yeah, I'm That's old. a sight to see. Hey, that you know, hey, it is what it is, though, man. Best moment in Mariner history. Still, it involves a stadium that no longer exists. <laughs> so, what does that tell you about the Mariners? Uh, they were a was. That's what it is. <laughs> if you could pick one movie to watch for the rest of your life, what are you going with? Interstellar. Interstellar. Well, with 100%. Matthew McConaughey. Yes. Does it make uh, you that, think at night? Is that why? I mean, yeah, I, I have to watch it a lot of times in order to get it. I'm still not uh, sure if I 100% get it. Well, if it makes you feel better, it's that could never happen. Space well, yeah. space and time does not move like that. So I've been told. You're not going to go to space <laughs> for a day and then 70 years goes by on Earth. That is not how that works, thankfully. But yeah, uh, yeah, that movie, the soundtrack, everything. I don't know. I would say Step Brothers, and you know I like to watch educational films that I'll make take me my answer smarter. back. Actually, Step Brothers, dude, Step Brothers <laughs> is one of the most quotable it movies is, ever for people yes, our age. It is, it is. Oh my goodness, be, be, Tombstone for me. Tombstone, Tombstone. Oh. I gotta believe that the characters that those men portrayed were actually acting like that. It's just so well done. It was so authentic, and uh, I enjoy. I, I can enjoy that from time to time. Yeah. Finally, what's a mythical creature you wish existed? <laughs> this one, I knew, I knew this one would get some people. What are the flying dragons? Are those griffins? Is that what they're yeah, called? Yeah, griffins are birds that are sort of dragons. Those are evil looking. That's oh pure goodness. evil. Yes, I like those. <laughs> I like griffins. No, I mean mermaids. Mermaids? Yeah. Oh, you want 100%. Some, you know mermaids are deceitful? I don't care. Like, <laughs> Mermaids. <laughs> Mermaids. Evil, too, just like the Griffins. Oh, my goodness. All right. If I had, honestly, if I had to choose, and I'm going to give some reasoning, quick reasoning, I would say Cthulhu. And the reason why yeah. is because I want everyone who voted for Cthulhu in the presidential election <laughs> to get so excited that he actually came to life. And I want to see that happen. Sort of like those people in Independence Day when they realized the aliens were real and had those signs and then got obliterated immediately. Oh, yeah. Uh, personally, I laughed at that scene because I was like, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> the people you worship will turn on you. <laughs> oh, man. But anyways, gentlemen, that is going to be the end of today. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for entertaining our listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Mining the Field. Thank you to my guests, Mike Opal and Arturo Morales, for joining us today. Be sure to tune in and listen every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Mountain Time on KBMF 102.5 FMLP of Butte, America, for the newest episode of Mining the Field. I hope you guys have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time.